Welcome to the We Are Alive Fancast. And now, your host, Mr. Redbeard and Mick. Welcome to episode 26 of the We're Live Fancast, where we cover every new release of the We're Live audio drama. This is Mick. And this is Redbeard. What's up, man? We got another part to cover here. We got, what is it? Chasing Ghosts, Retrieving Puck. Good old Puck. Chapter 42, part 2. We're going to be talking a lot about that, so it's a quick spoiler warning, as always. We have some uh, some corrections and clarifications uh, from last week's. And all of these are from the good Casey Wayland. Uh, he wrote to us, or tweeted to us while he listened last week and said, um, the one time it didn't, and he's talking about the one time the 50 cal didn't uh, take down a behemoth was uh, with the broken 50 cal, but the 50 cal normally uh, can take them down. And I Does bet, it just take a lot of shots? I guess so, yeah. yeah. Uh, he says, no, Bird and Riley were not showering together. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. And then we talked, I remember I was asking you last week if Tony Ray knew that he had, you know, might might have died in this last episode. Like if he would have read for that when we spoke to him way back when. And my reasoning was that, uh, that I thought the actors read many chapters in a, ahead since Casey tweeted last week that 44 was complete. Do you remember that conversation? Yes, I do. Well, Very well. <laughs> yes, Casey wrote back and said uh, 43 and 44 are written. But the actors don't know it yet. They haven't. Uh, they haven't recorded that. So he he runs about two months ahead in writing and recording, but not in it, not in editing. So whenever he said forty four is done, I thought he meant it was done in the books, ready for release. So that's right. I guess it's ready to record. So wow, he has a a pretty pretty substantial time crunch, right? Now you can determine whether or not you want to put this in there. But I, right after the last episode, I messaged Tony Ray and said, "Lame, Robbins can't die." And he wrote me back a few days ago and said, <laughs> "Sorry, my friend." Hmm. That, that 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 I don't know. I don't know what that means. That could it's be either really, way. It's not a spoiler, I don't think. Eh. What do you think? Could be okay to put that in there? I think so. I think it's cryptic enough. I think it's a Casey-like answer. Yeah, he didn't definitely say just wait. Or I mean, I guess we're supposed to think he's dead. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he also said. That Bert's unwillingness of radio usage is due to them being intercepted before. So that makes sense. And then Casey uh, finished his last one was, There will be some restrictions on phone usage at the event, but mostly during the final episode to prevent recording. So it sounds like we can run around and you know show some of the actors at the party itself, just not during the actual airing of the episodes. Yeah, that does sound about right. Do some hangouts or something. I don't know. Yes, so that will be one of the perks. Oh, yeah. That would be a really cool perk. We've also got a couple new iTunes reviews. Did you want to jump into these or... Uh, Go ahead and read away, Mick. I will. And they're both subject line awesome. This one's in quotations, though, with an exclamation point by Litmaster14. Agree with the other five-star reviewers. You guys are entertaining to listen to, and I really wish... You were along for the ride the whole time. Your interview with Casey was awesome. I've never heard him that candid before, so you guys must have the magic touch, or you got him really drunk. Whatever the case, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> it says he's Litmaster on the WA forum. P.S. 
the word awesome is awesome, so who cares if you use it all the time? <laughs> Throw your awesomeness out there like awesome Halloween candy. <laughs> I, th- I think the trick is that uh, Casey has a soft spot for gingers. He's got to. He feels bad for us, probably. We get <laughs> at least I'll take pity over, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> And then RT and me, uh, subject line awesome. Oh, the first one was five stars. This one's five stars as well. Uh, these guys are crazy fans, and it makes for a really great fan cast. I love the organization of this podcast, and my favorite bits are the fave quotes, rating ratings for each part, and the bloopers are the at the end. I also love when Mick and Redbeard participate in friendly banter. You can tell they enjoy talking about we're alive and that they are friends. They want uh, they want to do a podcast and do a great job at it. Thanks, man. That means a lot. Yeah, we appreciate it, and we are friends. And we have some friendly banter. And with the question of the week this week and the way we're going to do it, it may not be so friendly. <laughs> we, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where you're going with it, but <laughs> we uh, imagine it's going to be fun. We have friendly banter not involved with show two, and it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> we're, we're, we're actually pretty polar opposites on things that we share interest in or not share interest in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leave them wondering what that means. <laughs> me too. I don't, I'm kind of curious. <laughs> I'm talking about the, our, our interest in music and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. We're kind of two different ends of the spectrum. And, yeah, definitely very strange. Keeps it interesting. All right. Do you have anything else to cover before we move into it? Uh, just want to go over the artwork a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so you've brought this up a couple of times, and this is where I kind of got the idea from, and I just kind of ran with it. And it's about the artwork. It's about the artwork since chapter thirty-seven being kind of a foreshadowing thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, thirty-seven is with the artwork where the soldiers laying out on the ground. And we wondered then who could it be. And you've mentioned before that it it, it could be Puck. I think you did after the last episode that you were you referenced chapter thirty-seven again. Right. And now that seems completely legitimate. So I started looking at the other covers and. 38 had Bert on it. Well, Bert didn't show up until just recently. So, again, the foreshadowing is moving right along. Mm-hmm. So, 39 was the chair with a blanket over a humanoid figure. And it could just be a play on what was going to happen in that episode. But, with the foreshadowing mind, maybe it is the ink underneath there or Randy. I think uh, Casey said it was Wendy. I know but what he, he says. May, he may have just been trying to throw you off. <laughs> and okay, so chapter 40's artwork is the windmill, and it could just be that. I mean, I don't think I can't. Re- I don't really see anything in there that <laughs> goes beyond what it is. Now, chapter 41, the one where I said he looked like a yeti. Mm-hmm. Well, later on in here, we'll find out that he's a hairy behemoth. So it makes a lot of sense that he looked like a yeti. <laughs> <laughs> So it foreshadows the behemoth in this episode. Yeah. And then... Good. So then I said, okay, where can we go with chapter 42's artwork? The arrow pointing and the blood. I said, could this be Robbins, Maldoon, or Carl leaving clues? You know, were they captured before um, anything could really be told there? I mean, because we didn't hear anything about bodies. Um, You know, and the flashlight on the ground could be the person investigating what the arrow is. So, that's my two cents. Let's see if it goes anywhere. Any thoughts? Yeah, it's, uh, I was wondering what, you know, why have Bert on that? Because didn't Bert leave, was it the very first part or the second part? I mean, it's somewhere in chapter 37, I think it was. 
that Bert left, and we didn't hear from him until uh, until the the end the, of Eye of the Storm. Yes. Or was it the beginning? Or was it last week? Yeah, it was the end of Eye of the Storm. Yeah, it was the end of Eye of the Storm. So I didn't really know why he would be on chapter thirty-eight. I thought it was talking backwards to, hey, all these people are fragmented. They're out doing their own things, which is still could be. I may be looking into this too much, but I, I don't know. It just seems like a trend. And the fact that the, the hairy behemoth, the Yeti, showed up on Chapter 41's artwork, but it's not referenced until now. Yeah. just It just seemed like it was too much of a coincidence. I thought it was a shaved behemoth, but now that they said they had that hairy behemoth, I'd have to look a little closer at it. I can't really tell. This image is kind of small on my screen, but... I honestly felt bad for calling it a Yeti before, but now <laughs> it's, it makes all the more sense. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's pretty good. Cool. That's all I got there. Very cool, very cool. And I'm going to talk more about uh, whether or not I think that's Puck or, or anything about that in this first scene as we make our way through it. So, moving on to the scene-by-scene scene coverage, we've got... The scene it just starts out with you know the basically they're tri- they're driving to jail. We've got they're racing. Yeah, they got two different groups and they're heading that heading on that direction. Do you any any parts you want to talk about here beginning? Uh, but I think it's good to identify who's with what group. Yeah, sure. So it's Bert, Saul, Riley, and Tanya, and then Michael is in the other vehicle on the radio. I don't know who's all with Michael. At Me this neither. Point. I don't know who is with him. Uh, I would guess Datu since he made a promise, but right. I really and don't I, know. Since he since Datu's with him at the colony later, I'm assuming that Datu, Max, and Victor are with him. Right. But we don't know for sure at this point. So we learn that they're they're traveling along uh, to make it to the Twin Towers Correctional Facility, and I had to look this up because I know that he uses a lot of real places in um in we're alive so i found that yeah it, the, sure enough twin towers correctional facility it does exist in, in la and it's a pretty crazy cool looking place when you think about the zombie apocalypse but <laughs> uh, it's also and since we're here and we just talked about puck and the artwork it is 31 miles from the colony oh, which, wow, which is which is liberty park and it takes about 38 minutes in no traffic to get Look there, according you. to Google Maps. So, oh, thank you, looking at me. And uh, so that's the only question I have is whether or not this could be Puck here. I just think maybe they threw that in there, but I don't know. And also, there's not a... Well, again, you know, the episode with the Yeti on it had the waterworks tied to it. It could just be, you know, blended scenes with little tidbits thrown in here and there. I wouldn't put it past them, but there was also a behemoth in last chapter. That's true. Very yeah. true. But I don't know. But, of course, this season four thing, that didn't really happen. And uh, Excuse me, the chapter 37 artwork didn't really happen in chapter 37 either. So it, it could be blended. It could be a mixture of the two. I don't know. Good it's point. Good. It's fun to, fun to talk about, fun to think about. Yeah. Oh, uh, so... Back to the scene, though. Mm-hmm. I thought this was uh, pretty interesting. Puck made it very clear that he has not been bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't been bit, man. <laughs> Be locked up like Datu. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what really did happen to him if these if they're going to get into it. Oh no, should be a crazy story. Mm-hmm. So let's see. I have a couple more notes from this scene. My my next note will be Bert talking about the broken fifty cal. Anything? You have anything before that? No, I mean other than. The smoke being spotted, I must have had one heck of a fight. Yeah, what? All I, can, all I know is a truck was smoking, 
And I'm just guessing since a big dent was in it that <laughs> the behemoth smashed it. <laughs> yeah, got run into. I mean, smashed with Puck. It sounds like. <laughs> oh yeah. So you know when they first get there, Puck was laid up with the Mata gun next to him. And I, I was like, oh, that's going to make Tatu so happy. Right. Especially if he used it to save himself. He had to have. Uh, oh, had to thinking. have. This, now, this was a truck that Casey explained was like the big Ford truck with four doors and the uh, 50 cal put on a mount on the back of it, right? Yeah, the one that you, <laughs> sounded like it was uh, an engine missing on that last episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the, and that's the original 50 cal that Bert had in his shop. Yeah, he's not excited about it. Apparently that thing is destroyed, and Bert says even he couldn't fix it. <laughs> yeah. So 50 cal down. That's Man. not good news. Nope. But, and they kind of give us a short view of what's going on with Puck here, and they said that his, he's blood-soaked, his face is bruised and swollen, he's got an arm that's broken in a few spots, and a possible concussion. Oh, yeah. And he he said uh, the tib-fib, so it's going to be a broken leg. Uh, compound fracture, which doesn't that mean it's like sticking through the skin? I'm not sure. Uh, yes. That's disgusting. And also, Tanya, I don't know how Tanya could diagnose this in the field, but she says his femur's almost broken in a couple spots. I'm thinking she's got x-ray vision. I don't know, unless his leg's all limp and floppy. <laughs> which is no good. Without the best medicine and being able to pin that thing back in place, he may be hopping around like CJ. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> So Puck says to get the camera. Yes, and he's he very adamant about it. Pictures while he was getting his butt kicked. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's why some of the pictures weren't legible later on. Mm-hmm. But he he said this will not, this won't be for nothing. That's right, uh, because his buddies are dead. So he thinks. Yes, that's where I'm going with it so far. <laughs> we got to see dead bodies on this fan cast. I think that's why my foreshadowing's the way it is. It's like it's my optimistic. <laughs> viewpoint. Mm-hmm. There's some other viewpoints uh, we'll get to in the feedback that aren't quite so optimistic. Right. They're on the other spectrum, but not even dead, unfortunately. So the behemoth is missing a head. What's going on with that? Fifty cal cut it up, cut it in half, cut it's, it at the neck. I'm wondering if it's the well, the Mata gun wouldn't rip it off. You wouldn't think. Well, maybe it's trying to really show this thing's ridiculous. Oof. I hope it Seven was though. shots of the Mata gun. There's no way. I hope he took something down with though. Mm-hmm. They have explosives or something. <laughs> <laughs> Explosive rounds for the Modigun. <laughs> right. This is where they talk about him being hairy. That's new. That is very new. What the heck is up with that? Maybe that's like a some. Uh, is it a steroid or folostatin thing? Maybe. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. After prolonged use, who knows? Yeah. Or or the hairy you are in life. <laughs> The hair you are in yes. Oh my gosh. Please do not turn into a zombie red beard. <laughs> don't want to see that. I'll look like that little cartoon character that's a walking beard. <laughs> ZZ Top will be like, that's a long beard. <laughs> oh man. Alright, yeah, they make sure to grab the Matagun as they're leaving. Yeah, Puck mentioned, he said, don't leave Datsu's gun. Right. Apparently that thing's a lifesaver. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear the story behind that one. <laughs> It's like the Matacar. Don't leave home without it. <laughs> yes! But, um, should be, we, we should make a fake commercial like that. <laughs> right. 
All right, so Tanya basically tells Michael, you're too late, man, just go back to the colony. I guess I didn't make any notes for this piece, but uh, Tanya and Son Saul working together to do the triage out there was pretty good stuff. Yes, right before that, though, uh, they, they said there's movement in the building. Or Bert said, we got movement, and Puck said, they're inside. So this place is loaded up. There, there, there's got to be more fighting here later. Yeah, it sounds like a mess. Yeah, my first question was, do you think they'll uh, demolish the place or risk fighting them to find out more clues? Uh, I say burn it to the ground. That's what I would. That's what I would want to do. I don't know if they're gonna do it. They played that card with the Maulers doing that to the arena. I wonder if they tried again here. Like, oh, the Maulers did it with the big tanker truck. <sighs> we ought to try it again. I mean, I do want more answers, but there's a limit. Right, unless they get some kind of call from inside. Hey, it's Robbins. I need help. You know, and this seems to be the point of contention with a lot of people. Is, you know, as they're, as they're getting ready to leave, my first thought was, they didn't check for the bodies. What What's going on here? Right, no I, was, mention of them. I was really expecting that. And my devil's advocate piece there is the, that the creatures, the zombies, carried them off like they do. But what, of course, I'm hoping for is that we don't see a body, which means there's some kind of hope that maybe they're not dead they, and they're alive. They're, they took them like they did in the arena? Exactly. That's what I'm... That, that's that's the bad side of it for me. Or they took their dead bodies like they well, do sometimes. If they took them and they somehow find out that, that is the case, then they won't be able to destroy the jail. They'll have to go in and fight them. Right. Which would uh, preserve evidence. <laughs> and it'd be, it would be interesting. I don't think it would be a complete rehash. It would be more like Casey was setting us up for something further on down the line whenever we had that uh, Datu and Samantha storyline early on. Uh, so we, yeah. we, would have an, we, would, we would kind of have an idea of what they're doing, maybe. Okay, then we're back to what you were talking about. They're giving triage to Puck. Oh, and yeah, I was, I was going to. Uh, that's all I wanted to say, really, was that's cool. Oh, okay. So they're saying they're going to meet at the old tower before heading to the colony. And someone questioned that, why are you going to the colony if you can go to Dunbar? And that's quickly squashed with Tanya's got more medical supplies at the colony. Right. Because I, I was wondering the same thing, and uh, it's like Casey knew that was going to be brought up, so he went ahead and threw it in there. <laughs> We're back at the colony. So, I mean, we just this scene opened up with Saul on the radio with Michael outside the colony and you got Kelly and Lizzie that are back at Dunbar and Michael doesn't want them alone. So he's at some point, somebody's going to go back to Dunbar and kind of be a security force there. Yeah. There's, they're pretty, they're pretty slim over at, uh, at Dunbar right now. It's kind of making me nervous. Yeah. I mean, you got a pregnant lady there. That's not the best. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The main reason I wanted to bring that up is and a laundry that... deserter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the main reason I wanted to bring that up, though, is, man, don't bring the Maulers into that situation with with Lizzie and they're pregnant. Oh, we can't go back down that road. No, that's, that's <laughs> terrible, don't <laughs> that was that, that killed me last season. Man. <laughs> and I'm not sure what all safe houses have been identified, but they're going to go take Datu to house safe house number 12. Has that one been mentioned before? I don't know if it has or not, no. That, I would guess it would be the uh, same place they were going back and forth from the windmill from. Oh, okay. Yeah, pro uh, yeah, that's, that's probably right. But that's just a guess. So, You know, Michael's been 
stuck with Datu the entire time and said he's not going to leave his side. Then, well, he goes inside of the colony and leaves Datu out there with Victor and Max. Yeah. <laughs> Ammo. All right. So, yeah, you want to talk sorry. about that one for a second? Yeah, I had to mute Neon there for a second. Okay. So, Bert has a ton of ammo for Dunbar and the colony. Boy, this is convenient. <laughs> so, but it, but it is. And the explanation is interesting. He had a mailing list since he worked there. But then, as I was taking this note, I was like, "This is cool." You know, now we're gonna have lots of ammo for gunfights and maybe multiple gunfights or a really big one coming up. Probably just multiple big ones. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I think it is a very convenient uh, story writing deal. Bert's been going around collecting it. Has he had the mailing list on him this entire time, or did he go back to the shop to get that? It sounded like he already had it, but yeah, really, I, I it, guess either way. The the only reason I brought that up is because it's so funny that he takes very little notes, but he keeps everything. Right. <laughs> he had it in his back pocket the whole time. <laughs> it's his choice customers. Yes. And then he also, like everybody's been waiting for, uh, for Bert to come back and mention the the guy they killed in the lab coat wearing the radon thing. Yeah, and it was a reminder for Saul, and he goes, you know, starts talking about, oh, yeah. <laughs> and also, we all we hear that Bert heard everything over the radio. A crazy amount. So he didn't come back to help when Datu was attacked and stuff like that, so. Yeah, I don't know why that wasn't a confidence thing for him to talk over the radio, too, because no one else... I mean, there have been plenty of opportunities for the Maulers to come and take out small groups of people if they were monitoring that, that police radio, but they, they weren't. So. Right. And then, as Bert and Saul are talking, Bert talks about uh, his being out there on his own and doing what he wants to do as being his choice. Basically, he's not going to let someone tell him what to do. And I know he's a fan favorite, and I, I mean, as much as I like him too, it just came across as just really selfish for this character to be doing this because he's so he's so useful and has so many uh, has a couple of really good skills that the colony could use and the group could use but no it's all about him going out to get scratch yeah and i think the rest of the characters see it that way too i mean because right around the scene saul asked bird if he was leaving anything out you know there's got to be more to this than just chasing the maulers right and i understand yeah he did give the guys the ammo but he couldn't use that ammo I don't know. I'm just kind of not exactly thrilled that he's going to do that and leave like he's planning on doing. Especially with all the soldiers being incapacitated. Right. They need him right now. And Riley, too. She's a soldier now, too. And, well, and Bert said he wasn't a soldier. What the heck? Yeah, you are, Gunny. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he Marines don't call themselves soldiers. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Point of Once contention. a Marine, always a... Not a soldier. <laughs> okay but uh oh Bert yeah he's still holding that pride no I don't know he's just but he is I mean in the big the big scheme he's definitely a, a soldier and we need they need him there then CJ enters right after this that's my next note and <laughs> nice one Saul because he remarks about how careful she is about who she can who she says can be at the colony yeah what to which he replies all with good reason yeah. Not verbatim, but that's basically what you I, said. Occasionally, I see that point. I, I'm waiting for, I don't know, they almost need another episode with a lot of CJ in it so we can kind of see more of her angle on this, if there is a positive one. Right. Let's see. Maybe she knows the colony's going to fall and she hopes Saul will be okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's dumb. 
Uh, Just throw everything out there. One one thing will hit. <laughs> yeah. So they got most of the files off the camera, uh, which I just I want to see these pictures. I'd like to see uh, some artwork of what could, these pictures could be. You know, that would be a lot of fun. And they sent them over to Kelly so she can file them away. And, you know, Saul's going to go see Lady, who is with Hope. Right. And the only reason I bring that up is, has Hope seen Datu yet? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know me, I'm all about the storyline progressing, but I do want that interaction there. I want to see how that goes. I don't think we've been told that she's uh, seen him yet, but I, I think when they do interact, we'll get to see it. Yeah. I hope so. So the next thing I was going to talk about was Puck's story, which doesn't he doesn't get a chance to get too far into it. No, not very far at all. Not very far. far. As soon as he starts to, to mention, you know, after basically the time they arrived, Bert <laughs> walks in and he found something. I guess it was one of the pictures where he saw the behemoth. It's, it's so important. It is. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now because he comes in talking about Austin McCribbin. McKibben. Say again? Austin, yeah, Austin McKibben. Austin McKibben. Now, what did, how did Bert tie McKibben to this? Okay, so I guess he had a case file going on at the same time. Or wait, was he the in his cell with uh, Ink? It, dang it, now I'm questioning myself. He was either on trial at the same time. No. and Yeah, that's what it was. How did he was Bert on trial? No, on- tie it together is what I'm asking. I remember that part. Okay, so he was, his case file was found in the judge's quarter. Right. And they brought those notes back. They gave Bert a packet of all the information they had. Austin McKinnon was in that file. And he said, holy crap, that's the behemoth outside the out the gate that uh, Riley shot in the eye. Oh, okay, so they must have had a picture. That's right, because Vic said he looked familiar. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, that makes sense now. For some reason, this totally dropped from my brain. But basically, and he calls him Arrowhead. <laughs> right. Take him, add several hundred pounds, and it's the Arrowhead behemoth. Now, which... he he was a separate case, a separate trial, but he was housed in the same jail, and we found that out today, for sure. Okay. So, throw that out. Yeah. And this is the behemoth that attacked Angel and Riley at the arena, and Bert at the colony, as uh, somebody mentioned in this little interaction. Yes. And that was the first time a behemoth was ID'd. Mm-hmm. Now, As an actual, you know, one human, not a Frankenstein, not, you know, grown from a Petri dish. Or <laughs> <laughs> Now, Michael, Michael should be able to, I guess when he gets filled in on the hairy behemoth, he should be able to tell us if that was the same behemoth that was inside of uh, the waterworks. And that'll answer that other question we had. Right. So... There's some interesting details here that Puck starts coming in and talking about, and he said that, you know, so he wasn't the only one. So I'm wondering how many behemoths he encountered at the jail. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see, what was, uh, what did Puck say? He said he, he wasn't the only one. I think he meant he wasn't the only one that was left there at the jail. There's a lot left to rot and die in there, mm-hmm. as he said. And uh, I think that. He's saying that Roberts got to toy around with them in lots of different ways. Not necessarily that he turned them all into behemoths, but that he experimented experimented on them, maybe. Who knows he, what he did. Maybe yeah. he used the follistat and the grow big ones, used something else to do whatever to other ones. Yeah, he said gave Roberts a lie with. Which is just... Creepy? Yeah, and terrifying. It, you know, it reminded me of stories of the concentration camps. 
Yeah, what, just like experimenting and all that? Yeah. I mean, just... Pretty sick stuff, huh? People couldn't go anywhere. I mean, they're subjected to all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's pretty dark stuff. And, then, I mean, there was still more that happened in the uh, basement of the hospital, too. I want to know more about that. Right. Where the number ones were coming from and the fingernails were being sh- uh, filed down and tattooed up. and I don't know. Yeah. I want to hear more about that. Yeah, I wonder what how they're going to approach that. There, I'm sure he's going to let us in on that and shed more light on those things. Mm-hmm. But it's starting to clear up in my head, at least the big picture of L.A., and we've talked about this so much this season, went back and forth, but it looks like we've got, you know, obviously two factions, which seems very clear that one's, you know, led by Ink and one by Randy. Well, is it clear? I'm saying in my mind, like, I guess my, my the framework in my head is that we've got two factions, uh, one led by Ink and one by Randy, based on what happened at the end of Chapter 3 with uh, the separate factions. Maybe, because it seemed like they had them surrounded at the time, but what, what a few different people have tweeted or Facebooked us have made have helped shape my thought that maybe they were facing off, and also our talk with Casey, is that maybe they were facing off because they were just standing there on opposite sides. You know, because he said Saul couldn't see Randy over on the other side, but he could see Ink, and Vic was the one that saw Randy. Dang it. See, I took it the other way around. Dang it, Casey. I thought he was saying because Randy was there that they were working together. Well, that's the, that's the question. Um... I like that. So I like the faction thing a lot better. I like the factions. I think we've been given a couple of hints. One, the main one being when Tanya and Vic were at Ground Zero, and we see the what I think was a little one attack a regular. Yeah, I mean that that right there kind of set it in stone for me, and then Casey kind of ripped it apart. I thought, but I still I still think that's probably the most likely scenario. Right. So, and that's that's in my mind. There's one led by Ink, one by Randy. They could all be they could all be working together. And the survivors, you know, are just in the middle, are not in the middle, but are the target. Or it could be, and what I what I hope it is, is that one is led by one, and then one is led by one that's going to help the survivors. So, I don't really know. And ha- whatever happens to Datu might help answer some of this, if he does turn and joins the good guys. <laughs> 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 Which doesn't seem like very likely that uh, he would join the good guys, but he's also not going to turn. Uh, yeah, I don't think Datu's going to turn. And if he, well, he's definitely not going to turn because Michael's not going to let it if it starts to get to that point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, he did leave him outside the the colony wall. He (laughs) may do it right now. (laughs) (laughs) That would be an interesting storytelling uh, way to go about thing. Way to go about that. (laughs) And Michael will have failed him. Yes, just like he did Randy. Yes. (laughs) And Tommy. <laughs> Didn't he put like all those deaths on him pretty much? Pretty much. Right that died. And the other millions in LA that perished. So just as we were getting filled in on some details, the episode ends. Right. Leaving us you? Huh? Go ahead. Leaving us with a uh, one part to this chapter before the, the well, and next next week's last part of this chapter is also the last part of the first half of the season. Surely we're gonna have some Big questions answered. Some fireworks go off, right? I mean, it's got to be a ramp up of at least partial answers before we get into just nonstop action. Right. You know, after that time jump a few chapters back, I was kind of expecting by this point we would have had the baby and a wedding. Oh, thank you. By now, right? What? I don't know. I just I keep worrying that he's going to go back and do some like flashbacks, fill in some of the stuff from before using that. 
things that were maybe overlooked or right. I don't know. Oh, the wedding hasn't happened yet. No, the wedding hasn't happened. I'm not talking about that. Okay. I just keep thinking about the time jumps over a long period. Right. And no, I don't think he's going to do that because he's already, I mean, I think we've learned everything we're going to learn about Victor and that fallout. I mean, I think it's pretty well stated. Yeah, he pretty much said he wasn't going to go back and touch. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we're going to get any flashbacks unless it's like a very fleeting one, but which hey, is a burnt cool. fever dream. Okay. Play this game with me real quick, and I may I may air this, I may not. Want to but, play the game? <laughs> <laughs> but what did this part of the chapter bring us? I have Austin McKibben. When you say McKibben or McKibben, uh the Arrowhead Behemoth. What else did this chapter bring us that I can capture? Um. That a lot of the experiments were happening at the jail, like the behemoths were being created there. At Twin Towers Jail? Yep. Correctional facility? That's yep. where the hive of sorts of zombies are being... Yeah. That's where they're kind of denning up at the moment. So we know where we know where they are, finally. I mean, I guess that's a pretty good answer. Because it's like, where have the zombies been? A pretty good answer. I, I mean... That answers oh. quite a bit, even before Puck finishes Actually, his report. Right above here, I had the unanswered new questions this season, and uh, one of them is V recognized someone. That was Austin McKibben. Uh. McKibben's in bits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now all I can think about is that cat at the original tower. Whatever happened to that cat? I don't remember. I don't know. It's probably running around. Mr. Whiskers is out there somewhere. Eating dead people. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> All right. I so hope a similar fate lays for pegs. <laughs> Her and Skittles can shack up. McKibbles and Skittles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking McKibbins and pegs, but it didn't sound enough like bits. But, uh, all right. So, where did we go on to favorite lines of the show? Yes, I am. Well, we got one from Adam. He says his favorite line was Michael's reply to Puck wanting something so bad, you know it will kill you. And when Michael said women, he just liked that comedic relief. <laughs> the, the best part of that was Kelly, was Kelly and CJ on the other line. <laughs> I'm going to tell Pegs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, my, I guess my only... I didn't really have a favorite line. I tried to get one. I'll go ahead and go with Pucks. How many purple hearts is this? <laughs> you know, I actually have one that wasn't meant to be funny. Oh, yeah? And that was where Puck was talking about the people being left in jail to rot, and it gave Roberts a lot a lot to play with. Yeah. I mean, it's such a dark picture painted. That's a good line, and ooh, heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have some funny ones, though. Yeah? And that, that was where uh, Puck was talking about being dizzy. He said, just about every corner of my body is numb now, so we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And that whole banter about the laughter is not the best medicine. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that was funny, too. I caught that. I laughed, I laughed at that when I heard it. Oh, I, it reminded me of my hernia surgery years Oof. ago. Oh. And that was the case. Well, that and my son running up and jumping onto me. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> I mean, yuck, the pain that makes you nauseous. That's what I'm thinking, yuck. I've heard about that. Well, the question of the week this week, <laughs> we realized we didn't do one last week. So I reached out and asked if we could get some from uh, some of the Wear Life fans. And we got a few different replies. And we thought we'd have fun with this one. Adam sent in one. It was, if you could play any part on Wear Live, who would it be? And why would you want to play that part? 
And as a little, just a little fun game, Redbeard and I are going to pick for the other person this week. And I'll, I'll, I'll think about it more as we go out through the next week, who I'll pick for myself. But Redbeard, uh, you sound like you already had an answer for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I'm thinking you would be best played uh, playing Bert. Okay. Now, given this would be future Mick. <laughs> Very future. I would love to hear your old man sayings. <laughs> <laughs> if I could be anything like my grandpa Mick, I would, he had some pretty good ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's much more thoughtful than mine. I thought you were going to go uh, compute, much, com- much meaner with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would be one of Peg's cows. <laughs> Mr. M- Mr. McGoorns. Yes, which is really... <laughs> that's, just, that's who I am, actually, in case you'd you be a, to me after. <laughs> you'd be a dairy cow. Yeah. You'd be with the voice of Jeffrey from Family Guy. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you see what they did to his eyes? Mm. <laughs> Milk them straight dry. Nope. <laughs> He can't produce any more milk anymore. You hear about that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Did you hear about his dog, Zeus? Bruce's dog? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well. Perfect. So, I, p- I picked for you. And it was just for, a, as somebody we work with says, for a one-trick pony, just for a one-deal thing. Was I picked for you? You could play Scratch, so you could kill pegs and get so much enjoyment <laughs> out of it. <laughs> yes. Oh, that would be a, a beautiful role. <laughs> <laughs> I would do it. You'd do it, huh? No problem. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> of course, I would have to play post-zombie Scratch, so the voice would make sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And the hairiness. <laughs> Since some of them are growing hair now. (laughs) All right, so let's move on to listener mail, tweets, and Facebook posts. You want to take the first one? From Michael Patterson, The only thing that makes me feel better is the thought of Robins flying his Blackhawk in the afterlife, or still giving Muldoon crap as a zombie. Hear that? Somebody strong, like a zombie man, like zombie man muscle. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff, good stuff. Adam, uh, he tweets, uh, when McGinger said nobody uses iPods in this latest episode, I instantly got up to tweet this on my iPod. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Banana Tumor says, "Uh, the reason The Walking Dead is so good is because it isn't all zombie bashing. We're Live is doing the right things. Hashtag what happens next. And so, yeah, he was just, sounds like he's just saying uh, that in between between all the fights, there's some good character, character development. I'm just kind of building on what he's saying i think or just yeah. kind of guessing what he's trying to say yeah. yeah you don't you don't go four months into the future and not have a single detail from what happened during that time right thanks banana tumor <laughs> that just sounds funny <laughs> high in potassium right <laughs> Fast see wink. doofus monkey said my song for we're alive musical is on the forums what? Oh, I didn't see this yet. I meant to look at it earlier. Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, uh, Doofus, he wrote a nice long song for the for the musical. You can check it out on the forums. Victor and Saul Bromance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. 
Holly on Twitter <laughs> says, uh, don't think this season is boring. It just doesn't have the same level of fighting because uh, they're more piecing stuff together. And her only criticism with the show is that Pegs is still alive. Just how? Yeah. High five through the internet, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. First one for after today's episode. Uh, Holly says, wow. Can't wait for World Live Fancast to go through that episode, especially the ending. Yeah, I hope we went through it enough. It seemed like I wanted to. It seemed like I thought when we were going to cover this that Puck got more into what happened, but he really didn't. Oh, <laughs> he I wish this he had. really dark and scary uh, experiment that the prison sounds like. Uh, Matthew Lemuns or Matthew Lemuz on Facebook says they haven't found the bodies. Not all is lost. It's going to be a long wait. I agree with you, and I'm <laughs> like we're saying, no bodies, no deaths. Right? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Chris Combatant falls right up behind that and says, No bodies, but you can hear automatic gunfire when they are uh, treating with Puck. Retreating with Puck. Oh. Now, I went back and listened for that. I So I, I do hear the ruckus coming from inside the jail. And I do hear a lot of noise from inside the truck that could be confused for that. But I did not hear automatic gunfire. Hmm. Huh. We can hope. That would be that would be incredible. It would, especially if they're holding their own and surviving. <laughs> that would be, uh, yeah. Let's do a YouTube clip on that. That sounds like fun. All right, uh, Doofus Monkey. He says those sons of biscuits didn't double check to see if the other soldiers were alive because the guy with the head injury was confident. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same thing I thought. My first listen through was like, why aren't they checking for the bodies? You know, you always hear about no man left behind and junk like that. And I totally would understand in this situation if it was real dangerous, which of course it is. But if uh, they had a chance to look around while they were checking the perimeter, that they would be looking for those bodies. But I don't know. And they weren't. We haven't heard the full report yet. I'm I'm still holding out that they're captured, but which gives some optimism a little bit. Right. But. I mean, they, they could come back next episode and say they were torn apart on the scene. And, oh, man. oh, and that just nasty. Oh, oh, we got a little bit of a longer take here, and that's good. It's from Matt Sawyer. It's, it starts out, Grr. As much as I love the show and all the hard work, the last two episodes really wound me up. I'll try to be constructive. Last week, I found it was easy to guess what would happen, and the cliffhanger it left us on was major and left us expecting something big. But there really didn't feel like there was much. We get Puck, then he makes a statement about the last minute, leaving another cliffhanger, which felt kind of pointless because Bird already mentioned people being left inside the prisons in the first season. Next week, we'll most likely find out what occurred in the prison place, then change to a different character, that, which will leave us with a new cliffhanger. I'm guessing Lizzie Pops, <laughs> or an attack of, of some kind. As much as I love the show, I feel we could have I feel we could have condensed the last two parts of, of it into one. The revelation about Arrowhead was nice, but still didn't fill the gap of excitement. I picked up something being hairy, but without its head. Could this be Randy? Sorry to be such a downer. It's still <laughs> really I still really appreciate everything Casey and everyone does, and this is still my favorite podcast. Yeah, good stuff. Let me see if I can go yeah. back here and talk a few of these points. And I want to point out real quick, just because of my comments last episode, that this is an informed comment, and I, I think this is something that is appreciated. Absolutely, and you know every opinion is valid, and 
we want to hear why people think, you know, if they didn't like a thing or whatever. And obviously, he still likes it. He's just he's left wanting more, much more. <laughs> that's, yeah. how, that's how a lot of people feel. I can see what he's saying. You know, we were expecting something big, and we didn't really get a whole lot. You know, we were expecting to hear about what happened with Puck. Luckily, we did get him, and that didn't drag out another chapter. But we were kind of wanted to know what happened with him. Uh, I totally forgot about Bert mentioning people being left inside the prisons or the jails in the first season. It's a good catch there. <laughs> He's probably right about them changing to a different character and leaving us a new cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> so double cliffhanger. The only thing I have to say about that, I mean, it, it's almost the way you have to do it for how short the episodes are. But there's a lot of information packed into each one mm-hmm. to kind of build up for the rest of the story to even happen. So I get the frustration, but, you know, it's kind of take one or the other. Yep. Thanks, Matt, for uh, taking time to send us such a nice uh, take there. Uh, next one, it's kind of a back and forth here. Adam says, next episode should be called Inky's Playground or Ink's Funhouse. Cameron <laughs> uh, replied back, why are they going to use ink as a weapon? And I don't like Adam's reply as much. It says, looks like it'll be the other way around. Saying maybe Ink's going to use Robbins, Muldoon, and Carl as a weapon. That could oh, be that could a nice take, dirty. <laughs> It really is. I'm going to hop on Twitter real quick. You got the last one there. Yes, and <laughs> Slaterific says, oh no, we've seen what happens when we're alive, puts a convoy together. Be careful. And it, he's referring to the uh, convoy that they're putting together for the trip out to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, Michael Patterson's news here recently, he recently got in a wreck. I was wondering if he was referring to that. If not, it's uh, <laughs> it's wonderful timing. <laughs> Dude, this is so cool. I checked the Facebook page real quick for any last uh, posts. You're not gonna. Did you see who uh, who posted? No. Huh? Somebody replied to our anyone have a good question of the week for us. And Scott Charles Marvin, he wrote, what's for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put Spaghetti Tuesdays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with, a, with a tuna fish sandwich appetizer. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Thank you, Scott. Don't know if you listen, but it's really cool for you to hop in there and on our fan cast and talk to us. <laughs> that is really cool. Well, that's, that's going to be about a show for us, I think, bud. Yeah. What do you think? Ready to that close was, it out? I am ready to close it out. That was that was a good episode. We will be putting something out about the fundraiser sometime this week, so just keep a heads up for that. Yes, and if you would like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook, on the Where Life Fancasts. You can find us on Twitter, at WA Fancasts, or email us, wearelive at micred.com, M-I-C-K-R-E-D. And you can send you know a voicemail, there you can check uh, our website for the number or also uh, just send us a voice file we can play it right here on the show during the feedback section we'd really li- really like to do that yes and speaking of there have been some uh, shared interest in fans coming on to the show and sharing their their takes on it and um, we're all on board for that and if for some reason your scheduling doesn't work out feel free to leave your your take on that episode in a voicemail I don't know yeah. if that sounded clear. It sure did, and you could do it very easily. There's there's uh, plenty of voice recording apps if you have a smartphone or an iPod or iPod Touch, any kind of Android device, iPad. <laughs> <laughs> you can record it and then just share it to us through that email address, and we can get it and play it on the air. Very cool. Yep, so we will see you all next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the We're Alive Fancast. If you would like to send feedback to the show, you can email us at we'realive at mickred.com, and we will read your mail on the show. We want to know what you think about We're Alive each week. Tweet us or email us your theories and reactions to that week's show. You can tweet us at, at WAFancast. Visit our website at mickred.com. Mickred is always spelled M-I-C-K-R-E-D. You can find the We're Alive Fancast on Facebook. Just search We're Alive Fancast. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod for letting us use his song Ghost Apocalypse in this podcast. This has been a Mick Red production. Pin that thing back in place. He may be hopping around like CJ. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna be some some good competition in the... What, sack race? The, yeah, the sack race. <laughs> Probably not. You, got, you gotta have both legs for that. We would have enough... We would, we would kind of have an idea of what they're doing. Maybe be... Uh, maybe. Maybe be. Maybe be. Maybe be. <laughs> <laughs> What do you want to do next? Um, We're back at the colony. Yeah. You got McKimmit? Yeah, I think it's McKimmit. I heard McKibben. Hold on. Let me check the trusty wiki. See if it puts it in there. Because I, I went back and forth on this one when I first heard the name. I, I went back and forth on it when we heard it a few chapters ago. I didn't. I kept listening to it. This time I thought it was for sure McKibben, but before that I was like, I have no clue what they're saying for sure. And I don't see it in here. So far, the connection's been pretty strong. McKimmit, McKibben, one of those. Whatever. We got Austin. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, no.